passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Wolverine 24-7 podcast, your audio source for all things Michigan football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Zach Shaw. Steve Lorenz here with me talking Michigan, Minnesota. The Wolverines played probably their most complete and dominant game of the season. Feels like this is like the fourth or fifth week in a row that we're saying that. But at the same time, it continues to be true beating the Golden Gophers 52-10. to Pretty dominant showing across the board. You know, obviously the Michigan players were talking about different little things that they would have liked to have cleaned up in the first half, but really when it's all said and done, no, no matter what number or statistic or metric you use to measure how Michigan performed, they performed very well. They continue to look like one of the best teams in the country, if not the best team in the country, We're going to talk about the offense and then the defense. And Steve, I don't think you can really talk about the offense for very long without talking about J.J. McCarthy. It wasn't a super statistically prolific game for him. I mean, he did score three touchdowns, but I'm thinking 219 yards passing, what, 17 yards rushing. At the same time, every time he goes into one of these games, I come away thinking that he is just, and this will be my, Monday morning column, but he is just the perfect fit for a Jim Harbaugh led Michigan team. And some of that's on the field, you know, his skill set because he's got the talent, but he also kind of has that grit and the toughness. I think about those pylon touchdown runs. It's, it's obviously an era where quarterbacks are trying to get out of bounds and slide, but you know, I feel like he's got that competitiveness that when it comes down to it, he will, he will make that dive. He will go for the pylon. He's not going to, uh, come come away from that kind of run empty-handed. Uh, but he's an accurate passer. He's good at the short range, long range. But really, it just struck me after the game and the post-game press conference. I mean, the way he was supporting his teammates, and I'm sure that comes through on the TV broadcast too after, you know, like Keon Sab scored and J.J. McCarthy's fired up or, you know, other. Or I think Will Johnson, it was the same deal. I mean, he's he's just got this enthusiasm. Some might say it's, enthusiasm unknown to mankind that that just really helps this team go and that was kind of my as I was leaving the stadium heading back to the hotel that was just kind of my biggest takeaway was man JJ McCarthy you know there'll be a lot of debate in the next eight months about who's the best quarterback in college football who's going to be the number one quarterback in the NFL draft who you know who's number two maybe if Caleb Williams has that locked up or whatever so, you know, we'll, you know, lots of debate. I don't know where J.J. McCarthy totally fits. But in terms of best fit with coach, quarterback, and team, I feel like J.J. McCarthy has the best fit. He is the perfect fit for Michigan, and he has the best fit in the country. And that's why I think Michigan is right now playing 
I mean, it's them and Georgia, I feel like, are the best two teams in the country. A lot of great teams, a lot of undefeated teams that continued their undefeated seasons yesterday. But, man, I you, you kind of run out of things to say, but at the same time, there's so many things that you can talk about with J.J. McCarthy. Just the value add to this team goes so much beyond the box score. And the box score is really impressive right now. Number one in the country in QBR, number four in uh, passer efficiency rating, number three in completion percentage, what, number seven in yards per attempt. Out, all these different ratings metrics. He's he's among the best, but I, I just, it really just, I felt like Saturday was a great showcase of the positivity, the energy, the leadership that he has. You know, I think Ladarius Henderson said it in the press conference. And he's, he's brand new, right? He came in June and he said, uh, I never played with, with Jim, Jim Harbaugh, but I feel like it would have been the same deal. It's a lot of parallels to their leadership style, to their energy, and to their enthusiasm, their spirit. A lot of reasons Michigan's 6-0, but I feel like if there's a reason Michigan can go 15-0 this year, I feel like it, it the biggest one might be what J.J. McCarthy brings to this team. So, Steve, that's the that's the press conference at the game perspective. What can you say about what you what you saw and what you have seen, particularly maybe the past couple weeks from J.J. McCarthy? Yeah, what Jim's big thing is like a, a legitimate commitment to the the game of football, right? I think he's tried to kind of instill that just pure love for the game and the love of winning. And I, I yeah, I think McCarthy has become kind of a, a conduit in that regard, as far as I gotta think that JJ is probably cares less about the statistical output than pretty much anybody as long as Michigan is winning football games. I think the other thing, too, with statistical output, it's not going to mean a a thing when it comes down to his future as far as the NFL goes, right? I mean, it's that that stuff is – I mean, unless unless you stink. I was going to say, there's a bar you have to cross. Right, but – Show that you're a fish – but yeah, you don't have to understand 4,000 yards. What he's doing is not, is going, is not going to, you know, only throwing it 16 times on Saturday or whatever it was like, like games like that. If he had four or five more of those games this year, but he looks the way he does, it's not going to matter. So, you know, it's not as if it's a ding on his future, uh, as far as, like I said, the game of football is concerned. So no, I mean, just the Bowling Green game, clearly an anomaly, but I mean, you're talking now, you're talking nine touchdowns, no interceptions in Michigan's other five games, and just a, a complete array of just a complete, like a, a showcase of of just a variety of skills that he seems to have really built on from last year. I mean, you're talking about he's shown a better ability he has go- he goes out of bounds though though when he runs sometimes you know like he I feel like last year he was kind of always he trying does to fight for the extra pick yards. his battles I feel like exactly exactly when 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 breaking the pocket if he chooses to run he ha- yeah like you said he picked that's a good way to put it picks his battles I think really well knows when to yeah tough it out like you know scoring the first touchdown yesterday but then throwing the football I mean yesterday you see it you see just quick throw the quick throws you see the throws downfield letting Cornelius Johnson make a play you see him make a perfect touchdown pass to Colson Loveland in in kind of a crowded collapsing pocket 
almost kind of impressive given that he is only throwing the ball that many times that you're still seeing such a unique variety of you know skills and like I said it's just sort of that ascension is the word that I know Jim likes to use with players but but that's really what it's sort of become so you know I wrote last night immediately after the game you're talking Michigan had big individual plays from all four of their skill from all four skill positions yesterday your quarterback your running back your wide receivers, your tight ends, just as, as long as, you know, and you're talking, now you're talking about a, a two-time defending Joe Moore award-winning unit up front. It just, it just feels, and again, we know the opponents haven't been great, but, but this is still big 10 football and Michigan is just annihilating these teams. I mean, this isn't even, it's crazy. I mean, these are, you know, say what you want about Minnesota. Yes. But like, I feel like teams in the past, Michigan teams in the past, Probably maybe would maybe would have won these games for sure, but like not just not it's the way that they're winning these games. And I think that it does start, especially in the offensive side of the ball, obviously, with what JJ's doing. So yeah, you know, I, I think like you said, perfect, perfect pairing of coach and player, kind of the type of guy, you know, I, I just Harbaugh feeds off of those, yeah, those guys that, you know, truly seem to love the game. And to be fair, I mean, I think when Michigan won the Big Ten a couple of years ago, I think Cade's kind of a similar guy in that that pure passion for the game. But McCarthy has just a higher ceiling as far as the skill set goes as well. So, uh, you know, just, yeah, can't say enough about just, again, the variety of stuff he was able to do in, in again, not a really, yeah, statistically, raw statistically, impressive performance yesterday I think Jim and Michigan have had a lot of really good quarterbacks they've had quarterbacks who have had talent they've had quarterbacks who have had the leadership they've had quarterbacks who I don't know had that love for football I don't I don't think they've had one who had all three the way that JJ does and I you know that's everyone kind of made fun of Jim Harbaugh everyone who isn't a Michigan fan I should say kind of made fun of Jim Harbaugh for the Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen comparisons in the summer. But if you actually listen to his full quote, that's kind of what he was saying is it wasn't, Oh yeah, he's, he should be able to throw for 5,000 yards this year. It was no, he just like has this leadership, uh, positivity, selflessness, uh, but also the competitive drive that, you know, he's going to put his body on the line for plays. He's going to, you know, find a way. And uh, as far as his statistics, yeah, 14 for 20, 219 yards, it, it, it one touchdown with two rushing touchdowns. I mean, it seems kind of quiet. Three of those six incompletions were drops, but I think a really good embodiment is a couple of the biggest pass plays yesterday were from players who dropped a pass earlier in the game. Cornelius Johnson drops that third down pass. They go to him for another one, I think, for the very next drive, and then the next quarter they get him for a 49-yard completion. Let him go, as you said, let him go make a play. You know, the Colson Loveland touchdown, I think he had a drop earlier in the game, if I'm not mistaken. And and one thing that was cool about that touchdown play, the only other thing I'll say about J.J. before we talk about the other players, if you go and watch, maybe you guys saw it live too, but I felt like he was really, really sharp with his pre-snap, like rec- recognizing the disguise blitzes, like understanding which players where, where the pressure's going to come from before the snap. And before that, Colson Loveland touchdown, it almost seemed like he was having like an argument, not not like an actual argument, but like the the way he and and Trevor Keegan and Ladarius Henderson on that left side were going back and forth. 
kind of identifying the blitz, it, it was noticeable to me from way up high. And then sure enough, if you go watch that play, you know, there's there's that extra rusher that Minnesota brought. And J.J. McCarthy saw it coming. It was his blind side. He steps over to the right and makes makes a makes probably maybe that was his first read. But but pro- I don't know if that was necessarily the play they were dialing up. But yeah, great communication, great play awareness. And that's that's where the growth is. He's always been enthusiastic. He's always been talented. I think he's always been hardworking. You know, I remember back his freshman year, we would hear about road games like this. They would come home and he would be like leading the other true freshmen in those like 2 a.m. workouts uh, just because they didn't get to play as much as as they expected to in a game. Now, I think you're seeing that that growth, other areas of being a, a high level quarterback. Speaking of growth, I felt like this was a, a, a bit of a breakthrough for some of the I don't want to say unsung heroes. I, I do think they get a lot of praise, but maybe like, let's say the non Blake Corum and Roman Wilson players in Michigan's offense. Cause I think there's been times this season, you know, whether be it the second string players or even the other starters where it was kind of, it, it did kind of feel like Michigan had, you know, Corum and Wilson and Cornelius Johnson. And then the rest of the offense wasn't necessarily consistent, but you know, Colson Loveland got his first touchdown, the offensive line, Maybe not its best game in run blocking, but in pass protection, that was really good. That was a very good game. I think Pro Football Focus had them down for three or four pressures allowed in 25 passing snaps. That's a Minnesota, that's a physical Minnesota defensive front. I don't think they'll win awards. I don't know if they're going to be statistically the the best Michigan's going to face or anything like that, but they're but they play pretty physical. They always seem to to have good pass rushers. So I felt like the offensive line took a growth. A.J. Barner, I think, you know, we talked about him in the summer, is probably the most underrated player on this offense. And I feel like that's continuing to be true. I mean, if you look at his snap counts, if you go look and, and you know, kind of watch the replay of some of his blocks in the run game, uh, he is a really a, a, a high-value transfer portal pickup uh, this season. And, and I think he's really helping – kind of steady or not steady. Eh, I don't know. He's, he's helping that run blocking be a little bit more consistent. And then I think, yeah, you saw, I mean, seven different players caught passes and Steve, I know you brought up a good point. I mean, we talked about it a week or two ago, but Kalel Mullings, it almost looks like he's running different than he was last year. I mean, the, the feet look quicker. His, his center of gravity seems lower. It seems like he's kind of leaning forward a little bit more you know, running. He's not running as high as he used to run. Saturday was a game where I, I felt like that was a game where he elevated himself from specialty third down back to, oh, you know what? They could give him the ball in a lot of situations and he could make some plays. So lots of ascension, to, to borrow the word you used a moment ago. But Steve, what are what are some of the other areas of this offense that jumped out the most to you on Saturday? Biggest thing for me is just, and we've seen it weekly, just this sort of continued rollout of schemes and angles of attack that Michigan is using to gain yardage in certain scenarios. Uh, Michigan's been excellent on third down offensively. I agree. I think the other, I think Mullings too, though, like, yeah, I it's, it's so noticeable. I mean, he looks so much just quicker than he did. He looks a lot more nimble on his feet. You know, even I'd even say even the the fourth down, the catch that he made, just it looked like nothing 
very natural looking catch and and run, you know, for a guy that again, running back in high school, but really has primarily been a linebacker until what midway through last year and was an asset last year, but yeah, I'm mean, like I think the way I put it put it last night after the game was, you know, I think Michigan was just hoping to have someone a big body or a, or a, somebody they could rely on as a third to to give the other two some rest, but I th- it it really does kind of feel like they have a little bit more than that with Mullings now. Could be another way where Michigan can continue to utilize Donovan Edwards in a variety of fashions. Why wouldn't you? Right. Do you remember so, do you remember game one against East Carolina where they had Edwards in the slot and Mullings in the backfield? And then they didn't end around with Mullings as the lead blocker. Like I feel like I, I totally get what you're saying, where I feel like they could just kind of push put those two on the field at the same time and just really trick a lot of defenses because they're both really difficult matchups. Absolutely. You have to it, I guess the, the what what we're probably getting at here is like you, I think you have to respect Mullings as a runner now. I do not like Mullings being in the game does not mean that Michigan is going to pass the football. It shouldn't at this point either, because again, he just, like I said, looks like a totally different player uh, with the football in his hands. He's shown ball security. I think everyone kind of remembers the fumble last year, but you know, none of that has been an issue so far. So no, I think he gives them yet. Cause again, if there's really kind of one thing offensively that, you know, you didn't really know if Michigan has, of course, Blake Corum is an incredibly tough runner, but they didn't have like a Hassan Haskins type guy. You know, we know how valuable Haskins was for Michigan a couple of years ago. And even if Blake can do those runs, if you're you thinking about 14, 15 game season, yes. you shouldn't be doing too many in these kind of games. Exactly. Right. So I think going into the year, like we said, like, I think our preview episode, I think I, I said that that Mullings securing that third running back spot would be the best case scenario for Michigan, A, because he's a vet, but B, because he gives them that big body type deal. But again, I think he's already exceeded my expectations. Uh, again, got to see what you do in the, the bigger games. But, you know, I, I just it's clear Michigan has full trust in him now at this point, you know, to be featuring him as early in the game as they were yesterday. And again, yeah, he can absorb probably more like he's can absorb more shots than Blake Corum, than Michigan would want Blake Corum to absorb throughout a four quarter game. Right. So, you know, yeah, Mullings, probably the biggest takeaway for me. And then the other is just it it really is pick your poison with them, uh, both running and throwing the football at this point. Right. They did. So the play that Johnson made up the on the deep ball, I believe, was and we've been talking about it. And I know they're trying. They're really trying to dial up Fred Moore for a big play down the field. And I'm pretty sure he was JJ's first option on the play that eventually went to Cornelia, the the great one on one play that that Johnson made downfield. There's just six or seven guys right now offensively. I feel like that that Michigan can put out there that that can hurt you on any given play. And what's impressive is that there are certain packages where four or five of them could be on the field at the same time, right? You're talking about like a, a Roman Wilson, Loveland, Edwards, Corum, Johnson. So, you know, even more than that, maybe. But they continue to, like I said, just look more and more crisp every week, regardless of opponent. We know they, quote, haven't played anybody. Did I see? 
didn't Bowling Green real quick beat Georgia Tech last last week? Yep. And then and Georgia then, Tech beat Miami last night. Yeah, and then but then at the same time, Bowling Green also lost to the other Miami twenty-seven nothing. I don't know if Bowling Green's going to be the flex. I think it's going to be UNLV. I think Rutgers. I mean, I know they lost to Wisconsin. Sure. I actually think I maybe I'm wrong. I feel like Nebraska, Minnesota. And Rutgers are all going to be kind of in that six, seven win. Sure. That makes sense. Area this season. We'll see. So you play who's on your schedule. I mean, JJ McCarthy didn't duck out of any game. Like, you know, it's like that you're playing who's in front of you. It's well, the Nord- Big Ten's job to be better. Right. I mean, there's only three ranked teams never, in the Big Ten. They never, the conference never followed Urban Meyer. Was it Urban Meyer the one year that was pissed because? He's like the other teams in the Big Ten got to recruit better, and it's just never—it's yeah. <laughs> never really come to fruition, you know. Next, um, starting next year, well, feels like they'll be. Well, we'll see. Yeah, but <laughs> come on, I mean, we're talking like a twenty-team conference at that point, but uh, but yeah. So those were my offensively, definitely my biggest takeaways: Mullings, and then just this continued evolution of of just all of the different ways that Michigan is hurting teams and showing teams pick your poison against them. Yeah. There's, I think, you know, Jim Harbaugh said it two weeks in a row now that pretty much every player walking out of that locker room to the, to the team bus to head to the airport is, is probably feeling pretty good about with their individual performance. In addition, you know, obviously everyone wants to win the game by a bunch of points, but it does feel like, Everyone, even Donovan Edwards, who I know his rushing stats are are a topic of discussion among fans, but you know he had four catches, uh, he had three force missed tackles. I felt like he he only carried the ball four times, so he went for twenty yards. So um, you know, feel like he's making the most of his touches. He had forty five yards on his nine touches. Anyway, we're gonna hit a quick break. On the other side, we'll talk about the defense, who actually single handedly outscored Minnesota's entire offense we'll talk about all the things that jumped out to us there on the other side you're listening to the wolverine 24 7 podcast old man winter here if i had it my way it would stay winter all year long short days wind chill black ice and a good polar vortex (laughs) heaven wait is it getting warm in here your cold snap is over old man winter spring has arrived Spring Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. So, Steve, on defense, feel like the the main 
The biggest story is the two pick sixes. First time that's happened for Michigan since 2017. And I was looking it up today when I was doing my post game grades. Uh, those the the return yardage on those two touchdowns from Will Johnson and Keon Sab were actually more combined yards than Minnesota threw for as a team in the entire game. They completed five of 17 passes for 52 yards with that one touchdown that was 35 yards. So think about the other 16 pass attempts they threw for 17 yards. And obviously there were the two interceptions. You know, so felt felt like the, the coverage, hard to say the coverage wasn't strong when those were the stats. I mean, everyone's going to talk about that one play. Jim Harbaugh talked about, I felt like he actually gave a pretty, I don't know if you happen to see this, Steve, but I thought, felt like he doesn't really give like strategy stuff out too much. Felt like he did for that one to point out, you know, that he was, I think they thought that Minnesota is going to attempt a quick pass and then try a shorter field goal. And instead they would, they were going for the touchdown with the understanding that they felt like their field goal kicker could make that long range field goal. So what, what do you think about that? I, I can't believe that that's what they thought, right? I mean, isn't so Michigan's up by three touchdowns at that point yes. and they're getting the ball. Isn't Michigan is getting the ball too, right? Yes. To open the sec- second half. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just surprised they didn't like, I don't know. I mean, again, well, I mean, and the kicker, the kicker had made a 54 yard right, goal. Right. I get that. Game. But, but I mean, if you're Michigan, you got to think that Minnesota's like, there's no way a field goal is doing us any bit of good at this point in the game. I don't well, know. Again, it, again, we're, we are at the point where we're nitpicking individual plays, yeah. <laughs> right? I mean, it is kind of ridiculous, but I, that's, that's interesting. I did not see him comment on that. That is interesting logic there. Uh, because yeah, even <laughs> even if they had missed on that thirty five yard shot to the end zone, like they can still get that field goal on the next play. So yeah, I it's it's an interesting approach. I I don't know. I feel like Jim maybe was covering for his players potentially. Bail. I mean, because he gets to control the narrative here, right? We don't know what the play call was, right? Kinda yeah, but wonder. you said he never he never like you said though he never really goes in depth on that stuff so he's not i don't think he he couldn't have been bsing right you don't think right. he was bsing you guys so that's not his style so little but surprising yeah. though given the like there's there's no minnesota absolutely needed touchdowns i mean there's i just don't see how michigan is uh and i mean you gotta at least try for the touchdown yeah right? exactly <laughs> and i don't want to give fleck too much credit because i still have no idea why they ran the clock down in the first place but I mean, maybe it was a little bit of a mind game with them thinking maybe Michigan was like, you know what? They are afraid to try to punch it in here. You know, they're, they don't want to they don't want to kick a field goal now or, or get points now because they don't even want to give us the ball back. Maybe so the crowd was booing them. So yeah, <laughs> right. I mean, well, they needed I that like, touchdown. <laughs> I literally did that thing where I took my hand and like scratching the top of my head, you know, like without even <laughs> thinking about it. So I'm like, what the heck are they doing? But yeah, no, kind of an interesting little situation there i'm a little surprised though that 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 was what michigan was was thinking yeah literally the one pass play though right the other 16 pass attempts they had 17 yards they didn't actually throw for a passing yard in the second half well okay they completed one pass but it was to keon sab for a michigan touchdown glad they enjoyed that touchdown throw because they didn't get another one the rest of the game so yeah pretty pretty i mean pretty Solid defensive performance across the board. I felt like 
I feel like we're starting to see a little bit more of a in your face defense. And, and, you know, maybe I'm, I'm curious your thoughts on this. Cause I, it just feels like you're seeing a little bit more push behind the line of scrimmage. You're seeing a little bit more hands on, on passes or, um, you know, they're not committing penalties. So I wouldn't say they're like a, a grabby, like overly aggressive defense, but felt like the, the havoc plays were up a little bit thinking about tackles for loss, pass breakups, forced turnovers. But I think that's one thing that, that I kind of noticed was I, I felt like the defense was a little bit more in your face, a lot more really impressive, the defensive line, the way they can get their hands up and, and kind of read where the passes or where the reads might be for the passes. Um, feel like that actually has a, a pretty significant impact on opponents passing games, you know, whether it's whether they're they need to throw it higher or need to throw somewhere else. It does did feel like that was there. And then pressure stats, you know, I, I don't think they were like extremely high for this game, but it, it felt it kind of reminded me of like whenever you watch Aiden Hutchinson, it's like he's always doing something, even if it doesn't go in the box score or if it doesn't even go in the the PFF like advanced stat box score. It just feels like he's always quarterbacks have to pay attention to him every play. And I felt like Mason Graham was playing at that level. I felt like Braden McGregor, even though his box score stats aren't crazy, I felt like he was kind of playing at that level. Um, Josiah Stewart, Rayshon Benny, Cam Good, you know, had said some nice plays. It just, it just really felt like, feels like the past two weeks, the defense has gone from really sound, don't, don't make mistakes, don't give up much to that, plus they're in your face every time you're trying to do anything in the backfield or, or dropping back for a pass or trying to do any sort of trickeration. It just, it just feels like it's a little bit more in your face of a defense. That was, that was my biggest takeaway. Your biggest takeaway from the defense. Uh, Michigan needs to do something to like piss Mason Graham off like every week or something. I like where, like he's been, he's elite either way. Right. But I mean, I don't know if he, what would they like? He ate his Wheaties or something, yeah, yeah. you know, but like, holy crap. Did he come out last night? Just hair on fire and, and dominate, which I think to me is, was one of the most important things for me, for Michigan this year, for one simple reason, Kenneth Grant was okay. Chris Jenkins was pretty good, but it's, it's, it's why you have when it's why having depth up front in the middle is so vital to what I'd say like are like when you're talking about conference championships and beyond. Because Minnesota came out, ran the ball well, definitely out schemed Michigan to begin the game. Yeah. Right. But I mean and, and the other thing too, don't let's not let's not forget. I mean Another situation, though, where just Michigan just had to make a couple adjustments and it totally there was no way Minnesota was going to keep getting six, seven yards of pop like just Michigan too talented up front. But offensive lines are going to have a hard time stopping what Michigan can throw at you on the interior for a four quarter game because they're so deep now and they're so talented there. You know, I, I just think to to watch Graham dominate the way he did when you could say that maybe Jenkins and Grant didn't have their best nights, Michigan says, okay, that's all right. You know what I mean? It's just I, I just think it's it just says a lot because Michigan was so great up front the last two weeks when Graham was out. 
you know, and then he comes back and it's like, and then he comes in, he was the best player. He was probably the best. He, you could argue that he was the best player in the field yesterday. Yesterday he was. Yeah. Right? Like, I I, I, it, and, and he's playing with one hand, uh, you know, just, yeah, I, I, to me, I thought, I thought that just the way that played out, I thought was so indicative of why I think Michigan can accomplish their goals this season because it's teams like that that are that deep up front that are just so difficult to push to dominate for a for a four quarter game much the way Michigan is deep you know on the offensive line you want to play your same if you have a five you want to go with it I get it that and that's the way it's always been but still the same idea though where Michigan's just it, it's it's hard to imagine I'd say even in the Big Ten right now we've watched Ohio State I watched that whole game yesterday Penn State has quietly had a pretty pedestrian offensive their numbers like a lot of the metrics have have them like very what middle of the road in the Big Ten right I mean yeah their their they're run not turning... game is not doing what I think a lot of the preseason publications and well, and it feels like they're very conservative in how they're using drew Aller so far too. I don't know if that's because they don't have guys that can make plays down the field. He's not making mistakes, but he's a guy that's like, he's averaging like six yards per attempt or something like that. Like very average. He is 80th nationally. In yards per attempt, six point nine yards per attempt. There you go. I was almost dead on. That was actually mm-hmm. a guess with nine but... nine touchdowns, zero interceptions. Right, exactly. So he's not been making efficient. Yeah, yes, not making mistakes, but also just you know, I don't know. I but my point being, you know, we would see Michigan teams in the past that would come out and and look really really good against sort of those inferior type opponents, but like I just. They just look so deep on both sides of the uh, uh, up front. It's just hard to fathom seeing Michigan just get – there will be drives, and don't get it twisted. I can't believe I just used that phrase. Um, there will be drives, Michigan, probably when Michigan plays Penn State, probably when they play Ohio State. There will be drives where Michigan will lose some battles up front, give up some yardage, probably give up some points. But, like, just from, through a, throughout a four-quarter game, it's just hard for me to imagine Michigan just getting pushed around for four quarters – by another team in the conference right now. And probably felt that way before yesterday, but like I said, to have a, a guy who was hurt the last two weeks and you've been, and you were, while you dominated up front those two weeks while he was gone. And then he just walks in and has me. I don't know. What do you think? Was it, was that the most dominant game of his career? I mean, he just, Oh yeah. 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 Right? yeah. It just like, yeah. something was like, what clicked? It was like, I he mean, was pissed. Steve, it's like he, he was led, pissed he was he led Michigan in tackles. Tackles for loss, sacks, run stops, quarterback pressures. He literally <laughs> led them in all five stats or tied yeah, so for the first. Yeah. It's like he was pissed that he didn't get to play. You know, it was like, so, so yeah, that was, and I, and so that was my biggest takeaway. And, and I'm going to finish it by saying, I just kind of feel like it was sort of a big takeaway. It was like, that just really stood out to me, you know, because there have not, but there have been, well, almost every year in the past where Michigan would, that's what we talked about having three, all conference level guys in the middle to me now, right now, there's no doubt that's the case, whether they're, I don't, you know, I don't think all of them will be first team. Obviously I don't even think they do three first team defensive tackles, but I mean, no way that Grant Graham and Jenkins are not 
for second or third team, all big 10 right now, like just zero chance that, that, that that's not the case. And that's not nor- like teams just don't have that type of depth up front, you know? So anyway, a little long winded, but yeah, I just could not believe how dominant Graham was and how much, how it's so clear how valuable having that up front is, you know, like, like I said, your two studs who had been playing throughout did not have their best first halves yesterday and Graham just cut, it was like okay I'll just pick up the slack so impressive right. stuff then there were the other plays where Cam Good and Rayshon Benny were making plays so I think Mike Elston's not I mean maybe he's getting enough credit I don't feel like I hear his name mentioned as like like I feel like when the defensive front does really well it's like a lot of like Jesse Minter is a, is an amazing he's the best defensive coordinator in the country I mean Mike Elston since he arrived in Ann Arbor, or return to Ann Arbor has, I mean, it feels like every starter has been first round all Big Ten caliber player. And it feels like every year they've had like a bunch of, you know, significantly good performances from, from the second string, too. I mean, the, uh, you know, the whole defensive philosophy this year, the phrase they've been using a lot is block destruction, ball disruption. I think it's been pretty effective in the secondary and linebackers, but it's been really effective up front just destroying the blocks i mean yeah as you said with mason graham almost want to keep the club on just to <laughs> did that like motivate him that like you know light a fire under him because because he's been very good all season but i i did i i'm with you i think that was a that was a takeover game talk about that in basketball sometimes where guys just in the zone and goes off for 30 points uh, that yeah, that was the football defensive tackle equivalent of a takeover game. I felt like so very impressive there. Steve, any other thoughts, questions, sentiments from? I mean, it was you know I was a little surprised Minnesota. I know they're a run first team, but given they were missing their starting running back, a little surprised they didn't try to throw more. I mean, seventeen pass attempts doesn't seem like very much. So it's it's almost like we didn't get to see the secondary. As much as, you know, entering the game, we were like, how will they hold up? Or what, you know, what is this, what does this defense look like fully healthy? Um, I mean, they didn't even have, I mean, Mason Graham was, was questionable, not for very long before the game he was, but, you know, it sounds, seems like Rod Moore, Will Johnson. I mean, these are players who have talked about kind of their, their return from injury. Anything else jump out to you about the defense? It was arguably their first, like, fully healthy defense of the season. And I know technically they gave up a season high in, in with 10 points, but it, it did feel, as I said, felt felt a little bit more dominant in the whole in your face impacting seemingly every play way. Yeah. I think the one thing we'd probably be remiss not to mention Josiah Stewart probably had his best game for Michigan yesterday. And also really kind of, doing what we talked about. We talked about him quietly being a guy that maybe needed a little bit more time to get acclimated. And it looks like he's acclimating himself. Uh, Made a couple of nice plays in the run game. His sack was off of a bull rush, which, you know, for a guy, his not what you would, not where you're expecting a guy, his size to do uh, against a big 10 offensive tackle. So that's a great sign. Well, Minnesota's offensive linemen are big average, Height was six six. Average weight was three hundred eighteen pounds for their yep. top six no, they, offensive linemen. Yeah, Minnesota 
definitely actively pursue heavy offensive linemen. I mean, that's that's been their MO for a long time. You remember they're the ones that ended up with uh, Daniel Falele, the uh, like six, yep. eight, you know, whatever. And I, I think he ended up having a really good career for them. But yeah, so Josiah Stewart had a great game. Braden McGregor also making plays every game too. So yeah, just that the front pretty much across the board looked like they had a great game. Yeah, I agree. Hard to really take a ton away from the secondary just because even when Minnesota did try to, I mean, it was, I guess if if you say like you were surprised they didn't pass. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I just feel like every, most teams are going to have to try to dink, to dink and dunk and go from there. And uh, they didn't really even try to do much of that. It's clear their quarterback has a ways to go too. I mean, you know, I think that one like rollout screen where it's like he absolutely should not have thrown the ball to the, I don't know if it was a back or a tight end there, but like just, you know, you can tell First that he was new starting quarterback for them since 2018. That's, that's Tanner right. Morgan was a five year starter for them. <laughs> that's right. I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. He's around for, it's like, uh, I don't know if any listeners out there remember Zach Mills for Penn State felt like he was their starting quarterback for like nine years. But yeah, the edges across the board, I thought. Played another really good game. Also about Minnesota, and I know, well, I know you know because you were like his biggest fan with Ibrahim. Minnesota does a great, like they always have guys that can run the football though. Like they're, uh, Evans looks like a really good running back. You know, Darius Taylor, the one who Michigan really wanted out of Wald Lake Western was out. Uh, but they, they always, that's one, another position that they seem to recruit really, really well. You know, I, you know, we talk about, a lot of mediocre teams in the Big Ten this year. It does feel like Minnesota, if they had better quarterback play, would actually be pretty dangerous because they do seem like they're very talented. I mean, I think Darius Taylor was the national freshman. Like, he won some award a week or two ago for... He also leads the country in rushing yards per game. Yeah, right, that's... funny because yes. Taylor won a bunch of Big Ten Freshman of the Week awards. And then Zach Evans, who is a redshirt freshman who didn't play in the first, what, three games of the season, he goes and runs for 85. He wins Big Ten Freshman of the Week his first start in his first game. So, yeah, they, they'll eventually figure it out. But one thing I, I also respect about their play <laughs> is they don't need, like, the trickeration to be good running the football they don't need to go outside the tackles like they'll run straight up the middle and if, between the big 10 or the big offensive linemen between the talented running backs you know michigan kind of found out fair, fairly quickly and in that field goal drive i think all those runs were up the middle if i'm not mistaken yep, yep. and, and good, then they probably a good thing a good thing for michigan like I, that and yep. that, like when you're winning games with the ease that they are right now you you want to come across a unit or, or players yet. Yeah, like, I mean, that's what more, like that's about all you can kind of ask for in a 52 to 10 road win in conference is that at least it's all you can ask for. And that's also all you're going to get. But... Right. 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 But I mean, at least, yeah, at least you faced a team that was able to kind of push you around a little bit, gain some yardage and, and yeah, man, caught, force you to adjust a little bit. Right. I mean, it, it was not just as simple as, walking out there and dominating you know they had to make some adjustments and uh you know that type of deal so yeah it's just weird though with minnesota like i keep thinking, like going back to like marion barber and lawrence maroney it's like minnesota always seems to have good running backs it's just a weird uh kind of deal but but yeah no pretty 
pretty again if they have good quarterback play which he's a young guy i mean maybe he'll get it figured out but but otherwise i think especially really like i said running the football pretty solid defensively they got you know long ways to go but but either way 52 to 10 you can't ask for much more than that on the road i don't care who you're playing in conference like don't care that's an impressive win no matter how yeah. you cut it yeah and if you loop in the nebraska win that's a 97 to 17 scoring margin in two road games one penalty in those two games (laughs) combined too right that's that's actually something else that has not gotten enough publicity either is one penalty on two in two road games uh in conferences very impressive i mean you gotta correct me if i'm wrong zach i know you always have the stats but i do feel like in the past even some of the better teams i'm thinking more of harbaugh the early part of harbaugh's tenure they were not necessarily the most disciplined unit. I feel like a couple, like maybe like their 16 team with, with Spate. And I feel like they were a more penalized team, but, but again, you're, you're, yeah. I mean, one penalty over two games, I guess I don't even care if you're at home. Like what I guess, I mean, it being on both being on the road makes it more impressive, but you know, to only have one penalty in two games period is, I mean, yeah, we're talking like clicking on all cylinders type of stuff when, you know, when we're nitpicking one pass play and right. <laughs> they had one penalty one in two games. Field goal you know. drive with yeah. like, I think they ran five times for 35 yards. Like it wasn't even like that. <laughs> it was like, <laughs> so yeah. But we, yeah, Michigan definitely been very good. I don't, I don't know what they do in practice in terms of like, I don't know who the officials they hire are or what, but they, they have been extremely good at avoiding penalties. They're, First nationally in fewest penalty yards per game. Uh, last year, they were fourth nationally. Minnesota's actually third nationally last year. But, yeah, they are fourth nationally last year. And then in 2021, they were 15th. So, yeah, last three years especially feel like they've been just really disciplined. I think it's beyond just the penalties. I think you, you're seeing very consistent technically sound assignment football like I I think you that was PJ Flex whole thing after the game I know that that story kind of took off that you know he called it called them the best team he's coached against in 11 years being a head coach but you know he kind of listed all the traits you know that they're they're strong they're fast they're deep they're big they're uh you know smart whatever and then he was like and they also never make mistakes and and I think that's a pretty accurate statement about Michigan football right now is is they they have all the the on paper you know the the, they have depth and NFL talent and experience at a bunch of different positions but I think the the big thing that that and we'll keep an eye on it right so it's a compliment that you have to kind of earn all season but they really do not make mistakes they do not have letdowns particularly when a, when a game is close. So, yeah, I've been very impressed. And, you know, as you said, these Big Ten road games, it doesn't really matter who you're playing. They're always – there's always supposed to be some adventure. There's supposed to be some turbulence or some something weird happens, whether it's a bad call or a weird play or you, your team comes out flat, was whatever. It, well, Penn State was, what, tied with Northwestern after three – like after two and a half yeah, quarters Yeah, there's always something? something funky that goes yeah. on, right? And yet Michigan, I mean, 
I think I said it last week, you know, they're, they're Alabama-ing these teams where it's like, why, you know, like, I, I just feel like there were games and, you know, watching on CBS over the past 15 years or so where Alabama, they'd like build it up as a, as a road SEC game and we'll see what happens on the road. And then they win like 52 to 10. I mean, similar, similar kind of score where it's just, yeah, thanks for letting us come by and humble your fans for three hours. Like it's, it's, it's impressive. They're going to have to do it a few more times. And I, you know, those ones in November suddenly look like they they might be more of a battle, but at the same time, Michigan looking very battle ready in, in every way. Uh, so next week is a home game against Indiana. As you said, I don't think we're expecting a ton different, but we'll obviously have our preview podcast for that. We'll have plenty of stories. We have plenty from this weekend already up over at the michiganinsider.com, michigan.247sports.com. Myself and Alejandro were live on the scenes. Lots of stories from our entire staff as we will have throughout the week and then leading up to the Indiana game. So be sure to check all that out to get your fix on this Michigan football team as they look to move to 7-0 and on the season. They're halfway through the regular season, and so far they've looked every bit as dominant as they were expected to look. For Steve Lorenz, I'm Zach Shaw. This has been the Wolverine 24-7 Podcast. We'll see you next time. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts.